Welcome to Fringe with Benefits. Stacy back at you again. Not from the bush, naked this time. Probably never again since they require a nano operating system injection to participate. What the heck is going on in this world? Was Aldous Huxley right? Is this dystopia our new reality? Life is just too good to put myself out there again to suffer so a bunch of couch potatoes can bask in my suffering. I'd like to see some average people go attempt it. That would be entertaining. There's a new season starting next month, so there's a ton of fresh meat for the fans. But until then, here I am and I come to you to scramble your brain on all things anomalous, peculiar, weird, and abnormal. Stacy Socials this week is coming to you by through weird, weird Stacy Socials. First, let's talk about Mel's Hole. Have you ever heard of this? So th- there's this urban legend, this allegedly bottomless pit near, near Ellensburg, Washington. First claims were made on a radio show, Coast to Coast AM. All of us love that show. This guest, his name was Mel Waters. Later, an investigation claimed that no other per- there was no such person listed as residing in that area, and there was no evidence that this hole existed. The legend of this bottomless hole started on February 21st, 1997, when Mel Waters appeared as a guest on Coast to Coast with Art Bell. He claimed he owned a rural property nine miles west of Ellensburg in Kittitas County, Washington. According to him, this hole had an unknown depth of at least 80,000 feet. He claimed to have measured this depth by using fishing line and a weight. Although he had still not hit bottom by the time 80,000 feet of line had been used, he claimed that his neighbor's dead dog had been seen alive sometime after it was thrown in this hole. He said the hole's magical properties prompted U.S. federal agents to seize the land and fund his relocation to Australia. He made guest appearances not only in 1997, but in 2000 and 2002. There were rebroadcasts of those appearances that helped create what has been described as the modern rural myth. The exact location was unspecified, and several people claimed to have seen it, such as Gerard R. Osborne, who used the ceremonial name as Red of Red Elk. He described himself as he described himself as an intertribal medicine man, half-breed Native American and white. Told reporters in 2012 he had visited this hole several times since 1961 and claimed that the U.S. government maintained a top-secret base there where alien activity occurred. But in 1990, or I'm sorry, in 2002, Osborne was unable to find the hole on an expedition with 30 people he was leading. Local news reporters also investigated claims that found no public records of anyone named Mel Waters ever residing in or owning property there. According to the State Department of Natural Resources, geologist Jack Powell, the hole does not exist and is geologically impossible. A hole of the depth claimed would collapse into itself under the tremendous pressure and heat from the surrounding strata, said Powell. Powell said an ordinary old mine shaft on a property was probably the inspiration for the stories and commented that Mel's Hole had established itself as legend based on no evidence as, at all. See the show notes for a link to melshole.org. <laughs> Next, science alert. A man, three doctors declared dead, woke up right before his autopsy. This happened in a Spanish prison. Authorities were super baffled after a prisoner who had been declared dead by three separate doctors woke up in the morgue just hours before his own autopsy. 29-year-old Gonzalo Montoya Jimenez. He was found unresponsive in a cell during a morning roll call. He was serving time for robbery, 
and he was first attended by the two doctors in the prison after he was found sitting unconscious in a chair in his cell with no signs of violence being evident or no signs of life. Of course, they declared him dead, and an hour later, a forensic doctor inspected the body and concurred with the first evaluations. He'd already spent time, Jimenez had already spent time in cold storage room to help preserve his body, and his skin had been marked with scalpel guidelines to prepper, prepare him for his autopsy. I guess uh, forensic doctors began hearing noises coming from inside the body bag. The Spanish Prison Service spokesperson said, I can't comment on what happened at the Institute of Legal Medicine, but three doctors have seen clinical signs of death, so it's still not clear as at the moment exactly why this occurred. The day before Jimenez was found dead, he complained of feeling ill, and while it was unknown exactly what caused his condition, officials described his body as showing signs of cyanosis, which is a purplish discoloration of the skin caused by poor circulation or lack of oxygen, in addition to rigor mortis. They told the Spanish media, hospital officials, that faux fatality could be a case of catalepsy, which that's when the body enters a trance or seizure-like state, exhibiting loss of consciousness and sensation, together with physical rigidity. How he became cataleptic is unclear. This prisoner experienced some epilepsy and takes medicine for that condition, but his family said it wasn't always easy for him to adhere to his own medication schedule, so it might have had something to do with it. In the hospital, it took 24 hours before Jimenez recovered consciousness in intensive care and began to speak. Wild. So that's always like, you know, the funeral director or the forensic doctor to have somebody wake up in a body bag, right? Next, a top story. 16 Penn swimmers write a letter about the teammate Lily Leah Thomas. We've talked about University of Pennsylvania's swim team for a while. It's been dominating the headlines. Leah Thomas, in particular, is breaking all these records all season long. Thomas started her career at Penn with the men's swimming team, and after two years of hormone therapy is breaking records on the women's team. A recent ruling may put her season in jeopardy. U.S. Swimming, USA Swimming ratified a three-person panel of independent medical experts. That panel will decide whether or not prior physical development of the athlete as a male will give unfair advantage over cisgender females. Sixteen members of this swim team at Penn is asking the school not to challenge this new directive. Here is the part of the letter that they wrote. Quote, we fully support Leah Thomas in her decision to affirm her gender identity and to transition from a man to a woman. Leah has every right to live her life authentically. However, we also recognize that when it comes to sports competition, that the biology of a sex is sex is a separate in issue from someone's gender identity. Biologically, Leah holds an unfair advantage over competition in the women's category, as evidenced by her rankings that have bounced from 462 as a male to 1 as a female. Or I'm sorry, 462nd as a male to 1st as a female. If she were to be eligible to compete against us, she could now break Penn, Ivy, and NCAA women's swimming records, feats she could have never done as a male athlete. So not everyone is against her place on the team. Some of her teammates believe she should be allowed to finish the season at the very least. So things are being done there. Next, a New York Post article. Dash cam captures a wild road rage crash on the Palisades Parkway. You have to see this. Of course, it's linked below in the show notes, but this is like a, a so satisfying piece of instant karma. So in this footage, this guy is, you know, on his dash cams recording this Honda Accord and an F-150 um, Raptor pickup. They're kind of like competing for this position on the roadway. The Accord is tailgating the truck and then, you know, going back and forth. 
veers to the right and onto the shoulder before cutting back in and tries to cut in front of the Ford again, which this truck speeds up. So, you know, we've all seen this or we've all participated in this. So the caption said on the video, originally I was hoping to catch them doing something stupid, approaching a speed trap with a cop ahead. Um, this was unexpected to be clear. I never wish any physical harm on anyone. I guess the police said that the guy was okay, but honestly, they're, the serious instant karma. So he, you know, he veers off the road and he loses control and he flips his car. Check out the video below. Next is an interesting story about eating the placenta after birth and that possibly it can produce more energy and produce more milk. The advocates of this is what it's called is placentophagy or ingesting the placenta. There's a lot of proposed benefits, including bonding with a baby, lower risk of anemia, reducing postpartum bleeding, all anecdotal evidence from other moms who have been practicing this. The first documented reference to human placentophagy appears to come from a 16th century Chinese text about the study of medicinal plants. The practice seemed to have gained traction in the U.S. and in California, hippie enclaves, in the 70s. This, there is a possibility of increased milk supply and improved moods, and we do know that there are several other mammals that actually consume their placenta after giving birth. There's got to be some sort of evolutionary mechanism behind that. Experts do not recommend this trend, and but the lady that's writing this article said that she was impressed by how good she felt after consuming it with the second child, and then she did it again with her third. She said her midwives recommended another midwife who could turn placentas into capsule smoothies and tinctures, and she would personally collect it from the hospital after she gave birth. I actually have a cousin who does this. She's a doula, and she does actually process the placenta into capsules for the mother. She said her husband's reaction when he told, she told him that she wanted to drink her placenta in the smoothie, um, he said, have you completely lost your mind? I guess it costs about 200 bucks for that to be processed. And, you know, the husband was probably a little weirded out by it. So this is what she did. Her overnight hospital bag was stuffed full of Tupperware because she knew the placenta had to be sealed in an airtight container and refrigerated. Her baby was 10 and a half pounds and the placenta was enormous, so she's glad she brought the family lasagna-sized Tupperware. She asked the midwife to cut off a sliver and put it in a small container for a smoothie. Unfortunately, in the commotion of leaving the hospital, she left the recently birthed organ on the windowsill in her room. <laughs> the placenta piece she managed to salvage was steamed with lemon, ginger, green chili, and using a traditional Chinese medicine recipe and then dehydrated and ground into powder, which resulted into 200 capsules that she was instructed to take three times a day for the first six weeks and then once a day for as long as she wanted afterwards. She felt great in the weeks ahead, lots of energy, lots of milk, and she speculates that maybe it was the placebo effect, but maybe it was the placenta effect. Ha, ha, ha. Anyways, she felt really, really good, and um, there are some risks it says, after a case of involving a baby developing a neonatal group B streptococcus sepsis in 2017 from placenta capsules, the CDC does not recommend it at all and adds a warning for parents for this. However, a large study from 2018 suggests that placentophagy was not associated with any adverse outcomes for babies. The benefits are mostly anecdotal in humans, but all studies have observed benefits in other animals. Uh, your doctor is unlikely to recommend this. However, 
after a complication-free delivery, most hospitals will allow you to pick up your placenta along with your newborn and take it home with you. Interesting, right? Next is the Oli London saga, which we've been following this influencer. He's considered transracial. He has some new plastic surgery in the works. So he's the guy that's trying to look like that K-pop, the Korean pop star. He has gotten a ton of hate as com- after coming out as non-binary Korean. So he wants to undergo a penis reduction to be 100% Korean, he says. He, of course, he was born as a white British man. He was received numerous surgeries to look like the K-pop group BTS member Yimin. He said, I don't want people to get offended by this, but in Korea, the average penis size is like three and a half inches, and I get trolled all the time. People say, oh, you can't be Korean. You're not 100% Korean, and I just want to be 100% Korean. I would even have a penis reduction, so I'm like the Korean average. That's how far I'm willing to go. I can have it done in Thailand, and it will cost between $6,000 and $8,000. Thailand's cheaper, and to be honest, they do specialize in those kind of things in Thailand because they have a lot of sex changes and stuff. They also added that their hands are too big and want to feel closer to the country. Of course, the influencer is facing backlash following this news. Um, One social media wrote, making your pee-pee smaller still does not make you 100% Korean. Others added, a revolting example of cheap cultural appropriation. This is so damn disrespectful. Well, I have to disagree. I think it's hypocritical for anybody to say anything to this person. He wants to do it, let him do it and leave him alone. To go on about Oli London, the New York Post reported that he's gotten thousands of death threats. People telling him to kill himself, telling him that they're going to come find him and shoot him. Really extreme stuff, he said. And he's scared. Um, he said a lot of the most of most of the attacks come from the extreme radical left. He said people don't get it about being, you know, in regards to being transracial. He said, I do equate it to the same as being transsexual. I feel like I was born in the wrong body. I should have been Yemen in a different life. London insisted they were not being racist, insisting that surgeries to their eyes is no different than what happens in many Asian countries. He says, go to Asia, go to Korea. And one in five people have had eye surgery to look westernized, to have Caucasian features. He said, it's totally normal there. I'm just doing the reverse. This week's accountability segment, I've pretty much all I have to say is if, you know, stuff sounds bad or there's background noise, I mean, it's just something I don't have my own studio. I'm kind of winging it here recording this podcast and we all get better over time. And I think I've, I've shown that, that I am improving. And also considering my career is going to be running around with my head cut off, I haven't had much time to spend on the podcast. I would like to see more mail in the mailbag. And scheduling the interviews has been interesting. It's challenging to try and coordinate with others. But doing what we don't want to do is often the exact thing we need to do. So if I'm going to preach it, I better practice it, right? Let's run through business real quick. I'm going to keep this really brief. Follow me on Facebook, Fringe with Benefits Facebook, Inward Survival, my fan page. I'm on Twitter at Stacy Fringe. I'm on a lot of a lot of social medias. Basically, search Golden Valkyrie. You might find me there. Let me know if you find a good sh- social media platform. Hit me up about that and be like, hey, you should join this because it's a good one. Maybe I'll run over there. I am on Rumble and BitChute. I do have some content over there. My YouTube is at Golden Valkyrification. 
Inward Survival has its own website. This often takes a back seat, but it is there, inwardsurvival.com. Join the mailing list. I'm on Clapper now. I have a Patreon, Fringe with Benefits. Go subscribe to the Fringe with Benefits Telegram channel. It is got a link in the show notes. Give me a rating and review on Apple Podcasts if you listen there. The more interaction and the more it's seen, and you can also share the show with a friend. Text it to your friend who likes all this crazy stuff. Go visit the Fringe with Benefits Anchor homepage linked below and click the support the show button. I've got a really special treat for everybody this week. Not only do we have a guest who's going to come on, I'm going to interview Ashley from Into the River podcast. We have a really amazing discussion and I want everybody to go over there and follow her. I'll give you the deets on that later. Actually, it's in the show notes. You can you can click on those and it'll take you right to her pages. Be sure to listen to Into the River podcast. But also, this week, we have a mailbag. A lovely listener decided to send us a Bigfoot story, so I'm going to read that for you now. If you have any strange stories or just any like real-life occurrences that you want to share with me on the show, email me at fringewithbenefits at protonmail.com. And if you'd like to be on the show and have me interview you, shoot me an email too, fringewithbenefits at protonmail.com. Now let's get to it. She says, hello, Fringe with Benefits. I'm going to tell you about two Bigfoot Sasquatch experiences that I've had so far. In July 2008, I went on a three-day BFRO, that's Bigfoot Expedition, that went from being what's Bigfoot to holy shit, I saw a Bigfoot person. Okay, so let me backtrack a little bit. I had a cool friend that out of the blue said, hey, Julia, do you want to go on a camping trip and look for Bigfoot? To me, I heard, hey, Julia, do you want to go camping and drink beer and sit by the fire? Haha. So, of course, I said yes. Found out I had to be vetted by a member of the Bigfoot Research Organization and pay a fee. I was like, wait, what is this? Then I thought, holy crap, I get to hang out with nerds and weirdos. Even better. So I spoke to a BFRO member on the phone. Her name was Kristen and passed the test. So later sent in 100, 150 bucks for the three-day camping trip and then became a member of the BFRO and had instant access to their webpage. I had no past interest in Bigfoot or Sasquatch and only knew what Bigfoot was through the Patterson video. I remember checking out the webpage and thought, wow, these people really want this to be real. We got to our campsite, which was up in Joyce, Washington, near Port Angeles, and off a dirt, rocky logging road that led us to a wide open area where they set up a base camp, and then all of our individual tents and vehicles were all around it. I believe the area we camped on was DNR, BFRO had to get permission for us to camp there. The area that we had the base camp was an open flat surface with trees and grass around it. We had a big fire pit along with camp chairs around it and people could pull vehicles through and around it and it was nice and open. When I saw the main tent area and the various two-way radios, voice recorders, listening equipment, maps, I became excited and started to think there was something to this Bigfoot thing. As we were putting our tent up, people were still driving in and introducing themselves to the group. One particular car had two ladies jump out and say, We saw one on the side of the road as we were turning the corner to get to camp. Me and my friend just stared at each other and just listened to her talk. She was excited and said, Yeah, it was just sitting on the side of the road. We could see its torso and head and it just stared at us. And then a few minutes later, another car pulled up and the occupant said something similar. I was like, What? We went on our first walk in the daylight. It was about 2 p.m., We walked and just got acclimated to our surroundings. There were about three or four routes we could take. We didn't see anything, but we had a chance to talk to one of the BFRO guys. 
He just told us stories and facts about what he had heard and what we could be in for. I remember thinking, oh man, this is weird. Fast forward to the night, we went on a night walk and there was excitement. I got to see what they called eye shine. I was amazed. I saw glowing red eyes, glowing green eyes, and glowing blue eyes. I heard feet stomping, branches crunching. I remember thinking this could be an act, but still I was excited. When I was asleep in my tent, I heard something walking around our tent and loud nostril breathing. I wasn't scared. I wasn't able to wake up fully. I was so comfortable and knew I wasn't going to get up to look. I listened some more and thought, it's breathing like a horse or a moose, and it sounded big, whatever it was. The next morning, I told my friend, and he said he was knocked out and didn't hear anything. While we were eating breakfast with the other people, some guys said they slept in their vehicle and saw a couple Sasquatches walking around our camp and that one looked at him in his car. I didn't think anything of it, so I didn't say anything about what I heard in my tent that night. I was in denial. That same day, after coming back from the stroll around 5 p.m., I was about 20 feet from our base camp. I was on the dirt road right next to the camp with my Sony digital camera, taking advantage of the daylight, so I had the flash turned off, and I was taking macro pictures of wildflowers while taking pictures and just breathing in the outdoor air and feeling the sun on my skin. I could see and hear people at the camp having a good time. My friend was in our tent taking a nap. Then I looked to my right to see, literally, a tall, black, standing straight, hairy, it had short hair all over its body from head to toe, jet black, Sasquatch. It was about 25 feet away from me, and I can give two shits that I was standing, it could give two shits I was standing there staring at it. It didn't look at me, it acted like it was alone, and I only saw it from the back. It stood straight in its posture and walked away from me down the dirt logging road. It took its time walking, and one step would take it off the road into the trees, and then it would step back onto the road and walk a few more steps, and then one step into the other side of the road tree line. It was zigzagging slowly until it walked out of sight down the road. I stood there with my camera and snapped several pictures of it before it disappeared from my sight. I just held my camera in front of me with with a blank expression and snapped pictures. I stood there for about five minutes after it disappeared and started to talk to the people at the campsite while still standing on the road. I was quiet at first. I remember saying, hey, I just saw one, or maybe it was my friend wearing a black jogging suit. No one heard me, so I walked into camp and told people what I saw and that I was trying to understand what I saw. I was already trying to explain it away. My friend is over six feet tall, so I told the campers I was sure it was him in a black jogging suit. Haha, <laughs> he didn't even have anything black with him. Then I told the campers that I had pictures on my camera. One of the guys, Matt Moneymaker, was on this particular expedition, but he was at another base camp nearby. We visited his campsite each night during the trip. He had to get had a decked out van with antennas and stuff, inviting me in to view my pictures on his laptop while we... While doing so, we kept, assur- kept assuring me he wasn't downloading them. My pictures popped up on his laptop, and we all saw the tall black Sasquatch. The guy said that it appeared to be a juvenile in its behavior. It was aloof, looking and acting. And they all assured me that they wouldn't steal my pictures. I didn't care either. They didn't download my pictures on the laptop, and I wish they would have, because when I went to look at the pictures on my camera and later on a computer, the Sasquatch was gone in each picture vanished. The pictures were still there, all of them. Just the subject, the aka Sasquatch, was gone, as if the actual body of the Sasquatch was erased. Okay, so that blew my mind. People told me things like, so they can cloak themselves, they travel in the form of orbs, they can communicate telepathically. 
They are connected to UFOs or aliens. They can do this. They can do that. Imagine hearing this after having no knowledge of any of this. I took in all the info and kept an open mind. FYI, previous to being at the BFRO thing, I was active. I was an active orb photographer, still am. I started purposely taking orb pictures in 2006. So I was at least into that kind of thing. So I, I was somewhat open to the crazy Bigfoot facts. Wow, so day two of a three-day event, and I see a Sasquatch in broad daylight with my own two eyes. Wow. So remember, this was 2008. The BFRO had a couple offshoot groups on Yahoo groups. I was part of those groups, and a lot of BFRO members wanted to talk about my sighting and the pictures, so we messaged a lot in the Yahoo groups. Okay, so back then, if the moderator of the groups didn't set the accounts up properly, there would be duplicate emails and messages being sent and replicas upon replicas of messages and responses. So long story short, people were getting pissed at the repeat email messages, responses, and I was getting short with my answers as I was still processing my sighting, my Bigfoot experience. I quit the Yahoo groups and I either got booted from BFRO, lost my access to the website, site, webpage, or I quit the group. I think I got booted. My BFRO sighting wasn't recorded on the BFRO website either. I think I was supposed to record it on the webpage when I had access to that part of the page. I believe back then I was overwhelmed with my experience. I remember telling people at work and my friends that they either stared at me or laughed. I saw what I saw in 2008. I'd say I wasn't able to fully process it until 2018-ish, and that's only because I haven't had until then or now people to talk to about it. I kept it to myself. And also my life took several dips, deeper dips, twists, turns, you know the drill. So I am fully able to accept my experience and had another experience with the same BFRO group the following year in 2009. I didn't see a Sasquatch in the daytime, but during the nighttime walk, I had supernatural things happen while I was walking on the path at night. Bushes were moving and fluttering around me as if I were in a dream. I was scared, so only used my peripherals to look at it. And as I was standing in the middle of the dirt road in the pitch dark, talking to another BFRO person, you know, a white light flashed between us. And what was weird was it didn't ruin our night vision. I didn't see stars or anything in my eyes. It was a bright flash with no residual light. At first, we thought our cameras did it. It wasn't our cameras as we had them off and even had the flash setting off in case the cameras were accidentally turned on. Also on that walk, people in front of us screamed as they said a Sasquatch crawled on all fours next to them. There was a steep drop-off to the left of the road, and, and then it stood up. So it crawled on all fours and stood up. I heard the screams. Men, women, kids all screamed at once, and then the ferns bushes next to me moved as if they were underwater. Like seaweed, fans, feathers lined up neatly, and they all swayed and moved moved as if you ran your hand across the long beaded curtain and kept walking. It was so cool and scary at the same time. That was when I kept my head straight ahead but used my side eye to watch. Fantastic email, Julia. Thank you so much. I did respond to her email and I wanted to hear more about her being an orb photographer because I think that's really fascinating and she did respond but I'm going to save that for next week. Thank you again. If you want to share your story, your Bigfoot sighting, if you are brave enough like Julia here to actually type out in detail what you experienced and what you, f you felt, it's uh, Fringe with Benefits at ProtonMail.com.
Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to Fringe with Benefits. I have a excellent surprise for you. I have Ashley with Into the River podcast. Ashley Joe, actually, that's my mom's middle name. I love that. That's awesome. Really? Yeah. My mom's name is Sally Joe, spelled the same way. Yeah. My mom's is Nancy Joe. So it kind of runs in the family. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so Ashley and I met on Instagram, kind of, you know, just weird. We ran into each other on, I don't know if it was um, Tommy G's page or something like that. We, I liked your comment or start, we started talking and then I started following you and we're totally on the same page with all kinds of stuff. All these, all these fringe topics that I like to talk about on the podcast. Ashley is a huge inspiration because she's actually going for it in California and she's dealing with a lot of the things that I've been dealing with and a lot of the emotional struggles that I've had, especially with the mask wearing, Ashley's been going through it herself. And um, so like, I've been on your podcast twice and I love the premise of your podcast and I'm a big listener. What, well, first maybe in, introduce yourself and then um, tell me what inspired you to start your podcast. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think of how we met. But yeah, Instagram, isn't it funny how many friends we've made yeah. on Instagram? It's like kind of awesome. But I remember when like online dating was weird and then it wasn't, that's kind of how it is now with friends on Instagram. <laughs> um, but yeah, we met under the craziness that was going on. And I feel like all of us like minds really gravitated to each other like water and we needed each other just because of everything that we were experiencing in our lives. And being vocal or speaking out against what was going on tended to bring a lot of like issues and friendships and family relationships. And so, yeah, that kind of was my experience in 2020, waking up to a lot of stuff going from, you know, what I would call a liberal to realizing that liberal didn't mean what I thought it meant. And anyway, there was a lot of struggles, a lot of loneliness, a lot of loss of a lot of friends when I came out supporting President Trump. And I had no one to talk to. And so I started a podcast literally so I could find people to talk to because I was craving dialogue and interactions. And I wanted desperately to speak to my friends that disagreed with me, not to argue, but genuinely to just discuss. And there was this wall that went up with everyone. And I started my podcast hoping that I would bridge a gap between differing uh, people and that's not really what it turned out to be. I did have a couple non-political people on and one person who specifically disagreed and wanted to argue. Um, but other than that, it just became just a place to really discuss everything that was going on because I needed to, you know, right. just like in a therapeutic way, I needed to get the things off my chest that I was thinking and experiencing and feeling and kind of work through it. So that's what it's been up until now. <laughs> so yeah, everybody go follow her at, um, into the river podcast on Instagram, and then you can find her. Of course she's linked. It's at Ashley Joe, 11, one, 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 one. Um, so, okay. To go back to, we're both victim of this Trump derangement syndrome. People talk about like, I was a big hater because I, you know, I'm liberal too. I love people. I, you know, I care about people being able to express themselves freely. I don't want to see anybody discriminated against. Um, you know, I would consider myself anti-racist, anti-homophobe, all that stuff. And so I just kind of went along with what my friends were saying. I'm like, okay, Trump, he's this rich guy. He's kind of a dick. He's on TV. He's just, 
kind of had things handed to him. Yeah, he may be like uh, savvy with business, probably super intellectual, but I just, you know, I didn't like him. I just kind of went along with what everybody else was saying. And my epiphany was in March, 2020, when he was doing the daily COVID briefings and he was actually trying to tell us the truth. And I was like, holy crap. And I look over at my boyfriend and he's like, yeah, you know, and that's, that was a huge wake up call for me. And not that I didn't know that the news have been, has been lying to us and that they've been trying to kill us all this time, but that it's kind of like I was in a trance and I just forgot about all that stuff. Cause I was just living my life and it, it, you know, something clicked in my brain was like, oh yeah, this is going on. And oh yeah, things are getting really, really scary. What was it that changed your mind about him? It was very similar. I was like you, I didn't pay attention to much of anything uh, politically. And I just kind of bought the narrative. It's weird too. I think about it sometimes, like I didn't even listen to the news yet. I had all the same like talking points that the news had mm-hmm. made so it gets in it gets in through the tv through the movies through the whole culture yeah. but um I started watching the briefings because you know like everyone else I'm like what is going on with this virus and all of this so I was seeing him and I was like I could say there was things about his personality that I was frustrated with maybe a little repetitive like a couple things that bothered me they didn't anger me but it was really like my first time listening to him listening listening And the thing that woke me up was the media and the way that they treated him. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wait, this is, this is vile. Like I couldn't understand because as just a normal person living in this country, wanting to know what was happening, wanting answers about this virus. I wanted to hear from doctors. I wanted to hear from professionals. All I saw was an attack on Trump constantly that was kind of getting in the way of me getting information. Mm -hmm. I was like, what is their problem? Like this is, it was really childish and petty. And I had never quite seen it to that degree, probably because I hadn't listened to the news. And so I was just like, okay, this is next level. And then the more that he talked, I started to find him really endearing. Mm -hmm. And I remember the very similar moment that you had where I looked at my boyfriend, we were in a car listening to a briefing and I go, I think I like him. (laughs) And he was like, He was like, he definitely doesn't seem as bad because we both were kind of on the same page. Like I would argue with my parents about how Trump is racist and he said, grab him by the, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't even know why I care. I wouldn't normally care about that, but I would just regurgitate these talking points. So yeah, I started to really like him during that time. But then the other thing was going and doing my research. And I know that is so overstated and almost a bad word now, but just digging into things and uncovering things about Fauci and And then I started to compare what Donald Trump was saying to everyone else and looking into their past. And I found nothing on him and so much on them. And it just all kind of clicked for me. And it was really easy after that. (laughs) I was just like, (laughs) now I think he's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. And things just seem to make more sense now. Cause I mean, it's not like we weren't enlightened in a way because, you know, we're accepting of other people. We love people. We want, you know, we want everybody to be able to pursue happiness and have a good life and not to be raped and murdered and taken advantage of, you know, and I think that this, um, this evil force that's got everybody under this tranche is they're uh, appealing to their emotions. They're, they're, they're using their good nature, um, to control them in a way. And I think that that's kind of what happened to me and probably you too, you know? So, well, it's, it's something I've noticed lately is like today, I just read that BLM is under investigation by Democrat governors for 
not being transparent with the 60 million they raised in 2020. And it's one of those examples of, I care about black people. I care about racial injustice because I do believe it's a real thing. But then once you peel back the layers and you realize the people who say that they are, are usually siphoning, stealing money, using it, like they're exploiting people. So mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. Like the, the causes that we believe in things we care about are good, that things people who are still on the left care about are really good. Mm -hmm. There's compassion behind it. It's just, you have to understand, like we're kind of being sold (laughs) a lie about the people who say they're there to help. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So it feels good to be like they say, I don't know. It's kind of cheesy on the right side of history. It's crazy how people on the left think they're on the right side of history. And then people on the right think they're on the right side of history or, you know, vice versa one thinks that the other's racist and it's just like this whole backwards you know, clown world that they talk about. It's bizarre. It's really weird. Is that maybe it's the demoralization or what was it? Um, entryism. I heard somebody else talk about that. Um, let's move into, so, okay. I like to talk about conspiracy theories a lot. Uh, what's your stance? Like, have you always thought about these crazy things? Have you always been curious? Have you always been kind of a truther? Cause that's what our movement is, is like, we're all truthers. We're all looking for the truth and we want the truth out there regardless. And have you always thought about conspiracy theories as more conspiracy fact? Um, I, I woke up to some things when I was younger uh, went down a 9-11 awakening and started learning about secret societies. Uh, I had a boyfriend when I was like 18 who was really into that. And so I started learning about some of these things and I was aware of the reality of it. But at some point I kind of put them out of my mind because mm-hmm. it, I basically, once I realized the 9-11 stuff, or that's what I believe, um, Mm -hmm. that it was done by our government. Once I realized that I kind of had a like screw our government moment to where I didn't vote ever. Yeah. I didn't get involved in anything. I literally just walked, I just thought it was too late for us at that point. And I just, when people would bring up conspiracy theories like that to me, I would get really anxious Mm -hmm. and want to shut them down because it induced like fear. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I've been aware of them, but I've been afraid to really explore them until recently. Well, that's good. Yeah. Well, I can, I can totally relate to that, but I think my past, my dad kind of primed me for that when I was really young. Cause he'd been talking about lizard people and the Illuminati <laughs> and uh, <laughs> like all that stuff when I was really, really young. And so I just kind of got pretty hip to it really fast. Speaking of lizard people, like what, what do you think about the extraterrestrial idea? So it's so funny. Like, that's the one thing when I, like two years ago, got into all this, obviously you get flooded with all the conspiracy theories in our community. And some of them I found interesting with aliens, extraterrestrial, that stuff never really interested in me, interested in me until your last podcast. I had a moment. It actually got me excited for the first time ever when your guest was sharing her experiences and you guys were talking about that, like for the first time I was like, I had a curiosity that was like, I wanted to know more, which is the first time that's really happened. So I can thank you for that. Oh, that's awesome. To it. Yeah. My grandma has always told me aliens are real. She is like very, she says we're the aliens, but she has this whole, all these beliefs and uh, it's something I've been open to. I just never was interested until 
last week. <laughs> awesome. No, that's great. Yeah. My dad used to be like, cause he wasn't a big believer in God. He was never religious, but he used to tell me that he thought God was an alien and he never pushed any of that on me, but he totally thought that our creator was an extraterrestrial. And I'm sure there's people that believe that, but hopefully in our lifetime, we'll find out the truth, you know, what about, yeah. um, Sasquatch. So you're at like Northern California ish. That's not far from Bluff Creek where the Patty film was filmed. What do you, what's your take on some giant hominids walking around out there? I don't have an opinion. I think, well, I grew up in the Midwest. I haven't been here that long. I've never heard a bunch about it until listening to your podcast. So oh, good. Um, I, like I knew it existed, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Anything is possible. I tend to feel like believe less when, you know, I, there would be common for there to be more sightings or proof, Mm -hmm. but I don't know. What are your thoughts on it? I totally think they're out there. I don't know if they are extraterrestrial or if there's this idea that we live in the third dimension and or third density and that, you know, the fourth and fifth densities are like, they inhabit the same physical area as we do, but um, those kind of creatures like cryptids, ghosts, all that stuff that they're actually fifth density and that only when there's holes in our reality, do we actually see stuff like that? Not everybody believes that, but I think that that's a really great explanation. Um, I don't know if you listened to the podcast where my boyfriend talked about his experience with the, the thing grabbing his head through the tent, like that convinced him thoroughly. And I do, I know several people that have experienced something similar, not actually them touching it, but seeing it or hearing stuff. Um, and I'm a big listener of Sasquatch Chronicles. And their host, uh, Wes, he's had a pretty insane experience himself. And that wasn't far from here. That was Mount Rainier. So I don't know. I think it's a really cool idea. It's a romantic idea. Um, If there is another human-like species out there, what a beautiful concept that there's this like indigenous people that live out there and they're just untouched by us. And it's, it's magical to me. And so I think life is just is so exciting when you open up, you know, your mind to those possibilities. And I, I love the idea. So yeah, I think, I don't know if they're like a relic hominid or if they're extraterrestrial, but I do believe that they're out there and I do believe that they have special abilities and they might have a piece in, um, the missing 411 phenomenon, you know, people disappearing, little kids being picked up and dropped off, you know, 10 miles on the other side of a ridge line, like a two-year-old's never going to make it over there in 10 hours, but somehow they find this kid over there and, you know, he's barefoot and his feet aren't even scuffed up or messed up. Like what the hell, you know? So maybe who knows? Um, I don't know. I think it's a cool, cool subject. <laughs> it is cool. Who does know? I, I will say the one thing that I was fascinated with growing up was Nessie. Oh yeah. I was obsessed with that. Like every time I saw images of Nessie, I would get so excited even to this day. Like there's something about that. And I think because the ocean to me, is almost like space. And I know Nessie wasn't in the ocean, but it's just underwater for me is like endless, infinite possibilities. So that's one that I would like to learn more about because I was always like, I know that thing exists. <laughs> that's really cool. Maybe I'll do a, like a topic and I'll talk about that. I, yeah, that would be fantastic. I mean, who knows if we've got some sort of, you know, prehistoric animal that lives under the water. Cause we don't know what we've only explored, like a very tiny percentage of the ocean. Exactly. Yeah. 
Um, okay. So like your guests on your podcast into the river, you've got a ton of unique guests, like, like more of a range than anybody else I've seen. Um, which episode, if you can pick which episode and guest guest was your favorite and why? Oh man. Um, off the top of my head, one that comes to mind was, uh, his handle is Russian troll gang. His oh, okay. name's Angel. You yeah. know him? He um he worked, he's the Arizona chapter head for Lexa right now. He became that in the last year. But he is just a sweetheart. And I found him on Instagram a while back and I've been watching his videos for so long. And he, we talked about how this, I know it's a dark subject about how this kind of relates to 1930s Germany, mm-hmm. what we're experiencing right now. And him and I had such like a powerful conversation. We both got choked up a couple of times. It was very emotional. Um, it was just a really good spark and connection for a conversation. So I think that's one of my favorite ones today. And what was the other question? <laughs> oh, well, you already all said. All my guests have been so amazing. Like, I just, I like the difference of conversations. One thing that I'm excited to get away from is just the COVID talk, like mm-hmm. in the future. That's why I really took a big break before 2022. I'm going to start back up tomorrow as my first episode of the year, because I just needed to step away for a minute because I don't, I, I never want it to be off limits because it's happening to us, but every episode is kind of about that and yeah. I'd like to open up new topics and new things that I'm not aware of that I can learn you know so yeah totally we'll I can see where it to goes I've, yeah. I've had to you know turn off my social media or like I'm on telegram a lot and it's just this constant barrage of just negative scary shit all the time and it gets to the point where that's all you talk about and that's, you know, all you bring up and then your family is like, you know, like, cause people, <laughs> it scares them and I don't blame them, you know? So it's true. And you start to see the world through that lens. Like lately I've been holding back so many of the things that are happening right now. I'm not even sharing like things that happen after mm-hmm. taking certain medication, whatever. Um, I'm just kind of like, do I want to even put that into the world? Like, right. it, is it going to induce fear, you know? Mm-hmm. So you start to think about things a little different. I'm with you on that for sure. Yeah, that's true. Cause I like, there's things that I wanted to share, like on my Facebook, but I have a lot of family out there that have, you know, they've taken whatever, and I don't want them to get it into their mind that there's something wrong with it because, you know, the placebo effect or our subconscious has a lot of, you know, control on what happens in our bodies. And you could plant an idea that somebody's going to die in their mind and that will actually kill them. And that's absolutely, I don't want to do that. So, um, okay. What about like supernatural experiences? Um, I, I kind of consider this relationship and how people connect with each other, this serendipitous aspect of things is sort of supernatural, but have you had any paranormal or supernatural experiences that like pop up in your mind like yeah this happened or definitely well when I was younger I've had good and bad like supernatural with God type experiences Mm -hmm. but I've also had like demonic type experiences and I don't even know what I feel about all of that but when I was younger we my parents were in church I was in church and I grew up around a lot of conversations about demons my dad has some wild stories of things he's visually seeing that are pretty crazy wide awake and um but 
when I was about, I want to say 15 or 16, I was having a sleepover with a girlfriend at my grandparents and we we're in the basement and we we're doing that thing that girls do where you sleep on the opposite ends of the bed, like mm-hmm. toe to head. Yeah. And we both fall asleep and we wake up simultaneously in the middle of the night and she's looking in my direction above my head and I feel it like in the room so strong and she goes what is it like it's the first thing we said to each other and I was like I don't know but it was behind me and she's staring at I felt its presence and it was just this really dark evil feeling so I inched I was terrified and inched my way over to her side of the bed where we're both looking at it and you know it's hard because it's dark and your eyes are adjusting but there was something about the size of I don't even know like maybe two feet Mm -hmm. wide a circular object that was changing shape but hovering and it was denser than the area around it like just in the corner of the room hovering and the feeling was like suffocating it was like you couldn't breathe and at the time all I knew to do was pray because that's what I had been raised to do so her and I both just started praying and saying the name of Jesus Mm -hmm. (laughs) not knowing what to do and then it went away and we fell back asleep but it was just a very strange encounter because we were both frozen completely in fear over this thing we knew it was in the same spot in the room it's very strange and I don't know what it was do you think that you so you were able to move um do you think that it was some sort of sleep paralysis or no we could we could move and it was weird because it happened to both of us we even talked about it later it was just we I've had the paralysis thing before this is a really I don't even know this is a really strange story I don't know if it's interesting or not but I was I was around the same age 16 17 in the same basement my grandparents basement which is very interesting this is the only place I've ever had these encounters but um I was I smoked at the time and I was I woke up and I was in that like dream state, but you're awake. So I could see the whole room Mm -hmm. and I had a cigarette in my hand and it wasn't real, but I had a cigarette in my hand. And then I realized, oh, it's not a cigarette. You're, you're not awake Mm -hmm. really. So I thought it'd be fun to play around with it, like in a lucid dream and put it out on the bed. And I go to put the cigarette out. And then it was like, I got attacked by this presence that was like, no, you don't get to play with this reality. Like you're smoking a cigarette. Like it was this, it's very hard to explain, but I was paralyzed with fear and I almost had to accept the rules of the state I was in and Mm -hmm. pretend that I was smoking the cigarette. And then they just eased off me a little bit, but it was like, wow. It's it's really bizarre. It like, that was almost like a sleep it was like a sleep paralysis because the second I went to play with reality, it was like voices, like really loud. Um, almost like you would imagine hell, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Just like a horrible sound of multiple voices getting louder and louder and closer. And you could feel them like on your chest. And, and then I was like, oh, okay, I'll play by the rules. And I went to smoke. I had to pretend to smoke the cigarette and then they calmed down. Whoa. And I don't know what that was. <laughs> what that was same basement though you know I've never thought about the fact that there's something about that basement because yeah I've never thought about that yeah that's a trip there's something going on down there that's wild I've never heard of anything like that like well I've heard that when people were lucid dreaming that you know if they would go out and 
play with that idea and take advantage of being able to do that, that there are entities out there that it makes you vulnerable to them because you're in really? their realm. Yeah, I've heard something similar to that. Yeah, I had, it was almost like breaking a rule. It was very strange. Yeah, that's weird. And they called you out on it. Like, nope, you're supposed to play by the rules. That's crazy. <laughs> I had this wild experience when, when my son was born. I don't know if it was like a postpartum depression forward slash psychosis, but I would have, I would see in my mind's eye that there was this old woman hiding in my closet and she was going to steal my baby. And I was terrified and I would see her in my head in the closet hiding. And she was like that nasty old hag that you hear about. Um, that's usually there during a sleep paralysis experience, but also like that nasty woman that was in the shining that he finds in the bathtub of one of the rooms. That's exactly what she looked like. And she was, I swear to God, pretty much every night, like right after he was born. And I, I mean, I was there by myself. So, but, you know, just imagining that there's this old woman hiding in my house, waiting for me to fall asleep, to steal my baby. It, that feeling has never, never left me. It's just weird that that would even happen. And they do say when did that it go away. Um, geez, I don't know. A few months later, it just carried on for a while. And I don't know, I didn't experience that with my daughter, but then again, I wasn't alone. My, my ex-husband was, he went to prison like six days after my son was born. And so I was alone. And then he was, he got out when my son was eight months old, but then he was only there for a month. And it, actually the feds came and took him. He was indicted on um, conspiracy. So that's a crazy story. I'll have to share that one sometime. So the feds literally came in and raided our house in full gear and guns and just me and my baby. And they took him, they took him away. <laughs> wow. That's yeah. crazy. I'll tell you, I'll tell you more about that. And maybe sometime I'll share about that on the podcast, but just not, not just yet, but yeah, I've been profiled by the FBI and had all kinds of stuff happen when I was in my early twenties, wow. because, you know, guilty by association, you hang out with the wrong people. The feds are watching those people. The feds are going to start watching you. So, oh yeah. FBI is scary, especially with what we know now, you know, because they're crooked as hell. Damn. All those three letter Absolutely. agencies. Um, okay. So your Instagram, because I was trolling your Instagram just now and like looking at all your posts and you share a lot of really cool stuff and you're really versatile. You share all kinds of stuff. And there's so many issues that are being tackled in our community right now. And you know, I saw everything from human trafficking to you know, border crises, the, uh, the convoys happening, um, geez, what China's doing, the human rights violations happening. We're facing so many. Which ones do you think need to take priority for us to improve our situation as you know, a whole species, a whole planet? What's first, do you think? Whoa, <laughs> that is a loaded <laughs> question. Um, well, in America or globally, because it's let's like start with, that... let's start with here. Yeah. Okay. Cause I, my brain goes straight to the Uyghurs right now. For some reason, <laughs> I feel like I want to save the Uyghurs in China. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, um, I would say my most pressing thing is cleaning out our government and yeah. obviously our election 
process, I believe, fully is hijacked. And I think it probably has been since I've been alive. I'm not sure that we've ever decided or they've ever allowed us to decide who our ruler is, or they've given us two options that are both bad. But um, I think cleaning out the government fully. Mm -hmm. We have to fix the election process. We have to get it back. Because I do believe that the people in our country will make the right decision did last time. So um, I think that, and I don't know how that's done. I know that it's hard because how do you clean out the system with a broken election system? But I, I do know that they can't cheat everywhere and local stuff is really important. So my focus right now is on people in California who I know and I'm working with who are running and supporting them. And I think if everyone just runs for a board of supervisor, for school boards, for a governor, for secretary of state, for every single thing, we get more real people running. And that's the funny thing is real people don't want to run because they they're not power hungry, driven mm-hmm. by attention and all that. They just want to live simple, happy lives. They don't want their whole life to be gone through, like you said, by the FBI, which is terrifying. Mm-hmm. But that's, I think that's where it starts. And then yeah. cleaning up some of these insane laws. Let's, like let's we got to maintain our constitution while we still have it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. But I think that your like initial instinct about China, I think that was super important i know i said international or um, nationally but i think that your first instinct i think china is a big problem and what's happening i mean they're it's genocide what they're doing over there it's insane and like what's the solution to that you know i always talk out of my ass like we need to invade china and get rid of the ccp but uh no there's not very many people that would be on board with that but definitely like we should come together and take care of that situation. Well, there's other ways to invade China, like president Trump was doing like we, the tariffs and I would make agreements that we're not going to do anything with you, America and China. If you don't stop with these human rights, Mm -hmm. rights abuses, it's genocide, it's torture. It's horrific. It's disgusting. The organ harvesting, the, even when they were controlling the population by making them give up their children, you know what I mean? Like this, I wouldn't even, America needs to leverage its strength and its control. And we had a president one time who was doing that for us. And it takes more than just four years. And I believe fully that we have to get back to that place of, we won't work with like the UN, uh, the, what is that? Mexico, Canada, Oh, the deal. Basically, yeah, where basically he put it put it out there that the we would work with you guys for these different factories and these parts. But one of the stipulations to Mexico was you have to pay your people more. You have to clean up um, some of your factories and make it a safer work environment. So if we start to do those things and say we'll work with you and use our power for good, people will respond to that because money, money rules, right? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a really, really great idea is just do, you know, um, it's basically kind of a form of extortion is like, we're not going to bring any business to you and we're not going to use your goods unless you treat your people correctly and you stop using slave labor to produce goods. And then, so like what we're doing, shit, this administration is just tests are coming from China um what else the masks and and now we've got what's this the crack pipes they're going to start 
that's a weird one <laughs> I can't I can't even and in the fact that he said it was like it was for racial equity I'm like y'all see how racist this is right first of all the government brought the crack into uh-huh. the neighborhoods okay yeah. so we created the problem and now the solution is better crack pipes like I do understand <laughs> and I my liberal side still understands that there is there is a time for helping addicts and mm-hmm. it's not always by criminalizing certainly not by criminalizing them. And I think there's way better ways to handle this, but watching this, what is it? $30 billion, $30 million for clean crack pipes. I'm like, it's so racist. And your son is a crackhead, no judgment, Mm -hmm. but like, come on. And he's white. So maybe (laughs) don't say it's about race. (laughs) I know they can't use that. The black people trolling. Have you seen the black people trolling though? It's so funny because yeah, they've been calling it out. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. just like this is this is just blatant racism. I cannot believe that you're doing this. Yeah, it's bizarre. Um, okay, so th- this is something that really fascinates me. I'll tell you a quick little story. When I was on Facebook about four or five years ago, Trump's in office, and you know I'm very you know pro-choice and um, you know just typical liberal stuff, talking about things. And there was this lady who was trying to explain to me about. Q and about that, you know, Trump was trying to do all these good things and he was trying to prevent human trafficking. And of course, I think she's a total lunatic and I end up blocking her. Well, I mean, I deal with thousands of people on my Facebook. And so I do cannot remember who this woman was, but I would like to publicly apologize to this lady for trying to nicely convince me, but she annoyed me to the point that I blocked her. And now I don't even know who she is or where she is, but the Q subject is super fascinating. And there's, especially now, there's so many people on, on, you know, at different points that, you know, they, they think it's a PSYOP. They think it's a Chinese run PSYOP. They think it's, you know, you got the black pill people that are saying that, you know, it's, it's (laughs) not, it's not good. Um, And then there's the people that are still like, you know, where we go when we go all and, um, you know, the light is coming. And so what do you think that the Q thing is like, what do you think it is? So I also found well, I found out about it really, um, right around the time I started liking Trump and Mm -hmm. my dad had followed it for, I think a few years and he wasn't like super into it, like, but he definitely kept up with it and was excited by it. So I got in luckily when they were still posting, which was, I thought it was a blast for one, for me, I really, really enjoyed it because the mystery around it, the fact that there's the government doesn't know who it is, you know, Mm -hmm. this idea that they have Q level clearance, which is like one of the highest clearances, if not the highest. And and the posts, the nature of the posts were like a almost mysterious to me that it felt like you're trying to like put a puzzle together, unlock a code. And some of it was just blatant, easy to understand, but I found it really cool. And Mm -hmm. like my nerd side was totally into it. Um, I don't see anything dangerous about it. It's definitely not what they call it. That Q documentary on HBO, I only got through two episodes and I can only say that it's a hit job and it's BS, just like everything else they say about everything that they don't like. That aside, I don't really know what it is now. I think that the people who, at least on Instagram, I was never on the chans or the polls or anything. So 
for me, I've only known the Instagram community and I found a ton of people, like-minded people on these, like these Q uh, decodes and all of this. So I was invited to all these groups. I met a lot of people and what I know of what's going on, at least in the Instagram community is it's totally imploding. It's chaos. It is it has nothing to do with Q anymore. Every once in a while, you'll see a Q drop or like a real dig on someone because Q is all about like digging into like pulling up a rug basically and hinting like, hey, hey, look over here in this corner mm-hmm. of the internet. And then you find out that there's receipts for the connections for all these people. And it's all like right there. Yeah. It's just nobody was ever looking for it. So Q was just like, hey, start reading into who's connected to who and what they're doing and it, it'll all make sense. Mm-hmm. But then- you know, it's turned into something else. And I have a lot of thoughts on it, but I don't want to go on a really long rant. (laughs) (laughs) It's cool. Um, I feel like, I feel like um, it was infiltrated. So I've I've learned about recently slightly about Operation Gridlock, where the government basically And I don't know a ton, so I'm just going to give a basic gist and I need to look more into this. But remember when they were doing like the Trump trains on Twitter? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was like, you follow me, I'll follow you. And I got like 1,200 followers in like a couple of weeks just by the follow backs. Well, then my whole feed was people I don't know, 1,200 people. So all the stuff I was interested in wasn't there anymore. So it was Mm -hmm. a way to like get us all to gather us together and Mm -hmm. then get us stuck somewhere yeah and so I think that that concept happened in our movement and the Q community specifically where they put in a lot of people who were there saying they were part of it and mm-hmm. saying that they had something to offer who were like seeping in stupid distractions mm-hmm. or little in infighting pockets over things that don't matter so yeah. right now there's a huge fight uh, at least in the Instagram community, and it's so out of hand and not related to anything going on mm-hmm. that I almost feel like it's by design. Yeah, yeah, great point, great point. Yeah, I I believe that too. I've been seeing a lot of really stupid, dramatic thing. I think it started with the the Flynn thing, and then everybody's calling everybody else out for being a shill, and you know, <laughs> this person's not real. This person's an infiltrator. <clears throat> did you ever follow do you follow michael jaco or um kirsten w? yeah <clears throat> i don't know her i used to follow jaco i followed everyone mm-hmm. i i would say I, i'm not saying what i think about jaco specifically but i i fell for it all oh yeah and and then i started like not listening to almost everyone there's literally only one or two people that i'll i mean that i really respect Mm-hmm. at this point who have stood the test of time who didn't sell us a bunch of goods and make me right. look ridiculous <laughs> like I literally okay this is really embarrassing this is I feel like I fell for a cult again which is embarrassing because I had cults in my childhood and my youth but um I <laughs> I told someone in my life in my real life who no longer speaks to me like how ridiculous he was for thinking that Donald Trump wasn't going to be inaugurated <laughs> And then I I changed it. And this is after the news called it. And then I changed it to what was it, March or something? Uh Like, and then I fell for that. And I literally put a timestamp on my page of like, this is going to happen. And then I told it, I was laughing at this person, like, Mm -hmm. oh, you fell for it. You really did. And now, like, 
hang my head in shame so embarrassed because <laughs> like, I believe so many weirdos and yeah well you're but not I, I don't one. listen to Michael anymore oh yeah. my god <laughs> you're not the only one we all because we're we're so hungry for something good and for some justice and so you know somebody gives us a date and you're like god please let this happen please you know and there was just such blatant cheating that what we're living in right now shouldn't even be happening. And it's yeah. just bizarre. So yeah, I mean, I threw it out there too. Like, just wait and see, just wait and see. This isn't going to go on for long. And I'm still kind of hoping that it's not going to. But at the same time, like, who knows? You know, it, things seem to be kind of turning for the better because if you notice the official narrative has kind of moved towards what we've been saying this whole time. Oh, absolutely. And, no, uh, we're definitely seeing a change for sure. I think that a lot of that stuff was also a distraction um, because one of the things that really bothered me about what people took from, from it was this like, stay cozy, eat your popcorn, everything's fine. And that kind of pacified everyone or even telling us like Q didn't say these things like specifically or take them to that place it was just people within the movement who said this and the same was saying oh well march is he's going to be inaugurated in the real date and all of this stuff what it's doing it was one giving us false hope and keeping us out of reality which for a lot it brought them into really really dark places mm -hmm. when the best thing for me was when i faced reality and it took me a little longer than it should have because of these people because i trusted them and I'm listening to these people who are like, oh, this is exactly what's going on. And it's all according to plan. So something really bad would happen. And instead of saying, go do something, you mm -hmm. know, go to your board of supervisors meeting or make a phone call, write some emails, think about a lawsuit, uh, do something mm -hmm. instead of that. It's like, this is exactly where they want us. Like, mm -hmm. don't worry the white hat. And I'm like, it, it stunted our growth for a while. And I think that, that we were all prolonged in our in our acceptance of the fact that this kind of happened and mm -hmm. now what? So yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you with hoping. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's over by any means, but I think it's up to us. Mm -hmm. I think you're 100%. right. And I think that whole stay cozy thing and, you know, the popcorn thing really pissed me off. Cause I'm like, what are we, we going to sit on our fucking asses and watch everything go down. So I think you're right. I think that that was a way to, you know, keep everybody, at bay thinking that something's going to happen and that justice is being served somewhere and we're just going to sit back and watch it happen when in actuality we all should be out in our communities being accountable and like pushing towards something better um there's a lot of really great people out there that are like actively fighting against the the mandates and they're you know supporting people that are running for office and I really appreciate that. I think that that's going to be what saves us all is if, you know, cause we all have to get loud and we all have to get pissed. And if you're not pissed, then there's something wrong. You're not paying attention to what's going on. I think Q was really good for people because it gave them hope. It was the first time ever that I had hope that there were good people in our government trying to do something or that, you know, they were calling out really past, you know, past wrongs, um, that have been done this whole time when everybody else was ignoring it. And I think somewhere like John McAfee 
is involved. I don't, I'm not even really sure if he's really dead. Um, that, that dude just really blows me away. Um, and then also another thing was, uh, the Julian Assange thing, you know, I still, I, I trust him. I believe that what he did yeah. was for the good of humanity. And I'm, I'm still kind of a fan of Edward Snowden too, even though people are saying that, you know, he was planted there to, you know, if he was a plant, why would he blow the whistle on what the NSA has been doing? You know, it, I think it woke a lot of people up to how, how much our privacy has been violated and that it continues to do so, you know, our phones and our computers, they're all, they're all listening. They're all recording everything that we do and say, um, it's just, I don't know. I don't know. I, you know, I think it was kind of a godsend. I don't know where it came from. I don't know who's behind it. I think probably hundreds of thousands of people are probably behind the whole thing. And I think that it was intentionally meant for good to get people excited and to, but yeah, like you said, it was taken and it was twisted and it was used for, for God knows what, like this whole thing is just so complex, but like you said, it's fun because it's, it's kind of cryptic and it's exciting to try to figure shit out or, um, and the, the gematria thing and the whole matching up the, what did they call those? The receipts you were talking about yeah. matching up <laughs> numbers to, you know, twit, you know, tweets and, and on certain days or even songs or all kinds of really weird stuff. And then some of them is like a really, really big reach, but I think I've got a pretty good grasp on like what to give my time and what not to, you know? Well, that's the thing is I think that after going through, and I, it was really fun to believe those people for a year. And it wasn't people saying they weren't really connected to Keo. They were writing off of it, but it was fun. I was like, this is a great reality that they're painting right now. And I hoped it was true so bad, mm -hmm. but when it wasn't, it was like, okay, here we are. But th does that mean that I'm not still exploring and open? Of course not. Like, I think that what it did at Q specifically, I fully believe it was good people behind it. And there's theories that it is maybe infiltrated or hijacked in a certain time point. And you can see where there's a shift, but either way, it's overall really positive and really enlightening. And that's what I take from everything is like, does it have good fruit or not? You know, right. and I judge things in that way. And you got to trust your gut and leave the stuff that doesn't suit you or doesn't feel right. But, um, it was always such a positive message about, and it was one of the first times we're getting behind the scenes, like this idea that it does seem dire, but don't worry, like in the end we win. And I fully still believe that. And I'll have to find it for you, but I listened to something the other day that my mom sent to me and it was this guy who is SEAL Team 9, which okay. I don't know if it's even admitted that it's out yet, because um, they sometimes won't name it until they're undisclosed, mm -hmm. their mission or whatever. Or just So this guy was talking, and it was like a three-hour interview. It was really good. But at the end, he was talking. He did some of the remote viewing stuff. He was, like, specially trained in that. He worked at Area 51 and all of this stuff. But um, he, he was saying, basically, that the looking glass and the yellow cube – are real and basically what they do is you can predict any outcome in the future based put on a set of uh circumstances and predict the outcome but the, the people who had it they're not so good people mm -hmm. at the very end of this interview spoiler alert um he was saying no matter what they did they failed 
There was literally nothing they could do to succeed. And you kind of get chills when you listen to him because he's clearly got like an insane background that he backs up. And it's something that I truly do believe because I think that there, that's when it gets spiritual. Mm -hmm. And that's when I, I start to think about divine mathematics that I think that there is a rhythm and a pattern to everything that happens and good wins. And I don't know what that means. Like what is good? I don't know, but I think there's an overwhelming force that will always correct. It's more of a balance, like Mm -hmm. things come back into balance. And I think what they've done in the last couple of years by ramping this up, which I think they had to do because Donald Trump showed up and messed up the slow game Mm -hmm. where they were going to seep it in a little. So they had to flood us with this attack to get him out and do all of this stuff. I think they set off their own ending quicker, in my opinion, by messing with the algorithm. Because no matter what, it balances out. Everything does. Yeah. So I don't know if that makes sense, but I I feel very strongly that we are going to come, we are in an incredible time to be alive right now. And even though it's difficult, that's where I feel like he was right. Like it had to be this way. Absolutely nothing can stop what is coming. It's us part of it is our awakening getting out there and doing though like that's the reaction that they couldn't halt because they can try to control us but they can't control what we do and we're peaceful we're mm-hmm. we're good people we're loving and they they can never get us to act like them so yeah, yeah. I don't know I think we win I think we win sooner than we realize to be honest no I love that I think I think you're totally right and I think that's a uh... It's something that, you know, everybody needs to be thinking about, or at least considering that, that there is um, maybe not like a master plan, but the, or a fate per se, but that, like you said, um, you know, a, a, a balance of, um, you know, things that, things that are forced to happen or to push one way, but that, you know, that everything has to push back and, and that people are, are gaining insight through all of these experiences otherwise they wouldn't like it's bizarre to watch people kind of like come to and I'm I'm starting to see that much more um I want to talk about your dad because he was like one of your first (laughs) uh guests and he has some incredible stories and he's very spiritual and he seems to have um, a discernment or some sort of like ancestral knowledge, like how did he get to be that way? And what's his name? First off, I don't remember his name. If you don't care. Oh, that's David. 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 Yeah. Okay. No, you're, you're spot on. He's extremely spiritual. He's always been that way since he was a child. He is, he has these insane dreams that are fore- foretelling and mm-hmm. It's, I, I mean, so many dreams that I've heard so many times. They were just here recently. And, and he's talking about how so many of them are for this moment. Like they're just now making sense during this time. And now he's starting to have new dreams of like, and he's had, he's had like astral projection moments. Uh, he used to be into that stuff. He, he and my uh, uncle planned to meet up in a dream one time mm-hmm. and they kept talking. If we ever, if you ever become lucid in a dream, let's meet at this little convenience shop. Well, turns out they both had a dream the same night where my dad was flying over the building, trying to remember what he was supposed to remember, but he couldn't. 
my uncle was walking with the same struggle. I'm supposed to remember something right now. So they literally almost converged in a dream. So my dad, I don't know if it's psychic power. I don't know what it would be called, but he's been spoken to very, very clearly through dreams and you should have him on. There's some of the most fascinating things I've ever heard. He has one specifically, I think he shared it on the podcast uh, where this, there was a town being attacked and these monsters were basically attacking, attacking. All the adults would like go down by the water and get eaten every day. And then eventually they ended up going and hiding in this rock. And it turns, long story short, it turns out the children ended up being the ones to defeat the monsters. And it's this really beautiful dream that his dreams could be movies. They could be like three-part movies, but I'm seeing like it play out now this year, I believe is the year of the children. And we're seeing the children come forth and set the example. And it's really powerful and beautiful. But anyway, yeah, my dad is, he's a fascinating person. Yeah, he, he really is. And that's your family must be amazing because you're really neat. Um, (laughs) you're, you're totally right. Cause you're seeing these kids are doing these walkouts. They're starting to speak up for themselves. They're starting to say no more. I saw this really touching video of these children in Israel. They were told that they didn't have to wear the mask anymore. And they were like five or six years old, just itties bitties. And, you know, they're taking them off and they're dancing around and they're tearing them up and throwing them in the trash. And they're just super happy and just totally stoked. And it, brought me to tears because it's just um so demoralizing to be forced to self-harm is basically what it is it's what it feels like for me and it's what I saw you know putting that on my kid and it's just it's unbelievable it is yeah it's it's meant to degrade it's meant why do you think they're lifting it on all the adults and it's the kids they just keep it they're just it it makes me sick yeah it It really does it's really hard to watch it's very angering. Um, we ran into a great website that's got a, um, a template that you can serve your own school district with um, a cease and desist order. I can't think of the website right now. And I, damn it. It's um, shit. I can't remember. But it's like beautifully written and I'm going to, cause I was kind of running out of material at the school district meetings and I was like, shit, you know, am I going to go in there and say the same damn thing? Well, now I actually thank you universe have something to bring to them this time. Cause I mean, I've already taken my kid out of school. I can't, you know, what am I going to do beyond that? And it's almost kind of scary to go in there and demand them to change things because of the fact that the National School Board Association actually went to the Department of Justice and said that we're being threatened and um, intimidated, intimidated by parents. And, you know, when we're just going in there and we, we want them to be accountable and we don't want them to take federal money to force a medical procedure or anything on our kids and the fact that they can call the feds on us and call us domestic terrorists is just, it's fucking mind blowing to me. And it really pisses me off, but I will be going to this one again this month. And now I have something to give to them and it's written up by an attorney. In fact, I can't think of her name, but her, she was on um, Nino's corner. Nino, um, do you know David Rodriguez? Rodri- Not David Rodriguez. What's his name? Nino? Yeah. 
yeah, you know, is it David Rodney? It is him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she was just on and she gave, you know, her, her website and she's, she wrote up all kinds of templates to kind of stop the mandates or at least give people the knowledge and the power to have something, you know, tangible to get, bring to them. Um, That's awesome. I want to get your take on, I call you. Um, Oh, you've okay. never had to edit an interview. Oh, because you're you're just recently doing interviews. Yeah, yeah. This is totally new. Okay, so his name is Russell J. Gould. Are you familiar with him and the quantum mm -hmm. grammar? Okay. Yeah. Him and this guy, David Winmiller, got together. He was um a pseudo-legal theorist and leader of a tax protester group within the sovereign citizen movement. And he's a self, he was a self-proclaimed judge. Uh, they think that maybe he kind of went bad, but anyways, Russell J. Gould has taken over this movement, which is the quantum grammar. I barely understand it. My boyfriend's really into it. And they they sell these little things called the claim of the life to where it's kind of like this, the straw man theory that you take back your sovereignty and you, um, you don't play by their game anymore and that they use this particular type of grammar that's actually correct. And what we do, what we use now is just a tool of the elite and the, the uber intellectuals to win in, in any legal situation because we've got all these little words and prefixes that mean multiple things. So either way that they, they, you know, they could screw us over on anything. So you got to look up Russell J. Gould. He swears that he is um, the postmaster general of the universe. I don't know. It's the most bizarre thing that you'll, you'll ever hear about, but you got to check him out. I was wondering if you had heard about him no i will check him out i haven't yet it's a whole new rabbit hole so he's got a a website um war castles and you got to look there and then you got to look you know do some research on david windmiller because that's kind of where that came from there's all kinds of talks and then russell j gould you can find him on on youtube or whatever but look into that it's the the quantum grammar it's bizarre it's right on the edge sounds with, exciting it is it's pretty pretty phenomenal i think there is something to language real quick like i i was reading a book last night and i said the word apart uh -huh. and then and then i realized the word apart means apart from one another or a part of each other so it literally means the opposite thing at the same time and I'm that's like, it how many words yeah have they done that to like they've literally so our contracts that we sign everything we do there's wording mm -hmm. for a specific reason that we're not signing what we think we are it's this whole idea of like what did they they call it double think you know holding two yes. concepts mm -hmm. that's exactly at the same it's, time. it's like um it's it's sorcery it's it's how they've controlled yeah. us how they controlled our legal yep. system they've they have control of the language and you're totally like right on it that's like the term I understand when a judge or a cop asks you, do you understand? And if you say yes, it means that you stand under them and that you'll, you know, you'll listen. Ooh. Yeah. Just all the got chills. I don't like that. Yeah. The double <laughs> meanings. It's, it's fucking witchcraft. I'm telling you. Um, yep. So yeah, check that out. It and is. I will check out uh, operation gridlock and seal team nine remote viewer. Cause that's fascinating. I'm going to have to find that, but is there anything the else? Link. Yeah, please do. And I'll probably need your help to edit this because I had a brain fart. But 
Is there anything else that you want to throw in there for fringe benefits listeners? Um, no, I just, I love this podcast so much and I think what you're doing is so great and refreshing. There's not anything like this out there. And I love that you didn't just do what everyone else was doing and you took a whole different spin. I love that. I still get my news, but like my favorite thing is the news. Even you bring up these random stories that I'm obsessed with that I would have never heard about. And it's just, it's so important to enjoy life in the process. And I feel like you have that perfect balance of balancing out the heavy with comedy and with exploration. And I just want to tell you, you're awesome. And Thank you. I'm really happy in my life. Aww, <laughs> I adore you. You're and if amazing. anyone wants to if anyone wants to check out Into the River, it's on all platforms, um, Into the River podcast on Instagram. And yeah, I you definitely, you everybody needs to check her out because she does an excellent job and she's got some great people on there. And she even does like really long hour, um, you know, a couple hours, you and Ray get together and you do, you know, you do your conversations and she gets with another girl. Uh, what's her handle again? And we have it all 17. Is that what it is? We have it all 17, Ray. Yep. She's incredible. And she and I were doing like an every week. We're going to get back to it. I took a month and a half off. I needed to take care of my home, heart, health and decide what I want. But I am like, I got a ton of people scheduled up for the next month. And so I'm going to get back in the swing of things. (laughs) (laughs) Sweet. Okay. I'm going to end recording. We are now at the portion of the show where we enter Inward Survival School of Magic. And this week we've got some life hacks for you. I think next week we're going to talk about the art of negotiation. But for this week, I've got some really interesting tidbits about your health. Things that you would think that are untrue are actually true. Okay, first thing is, did you know that if you drink coffee, you'll have a better nap? I guess in a Japanese study that examined how to make the most of a nap, people who took a coffee nap that consumed about 200 milligrams of caffeine, one to two cups of coffee, and then immediately taking a 20-minute rest felt more alert and performed better on testing than those who only just took a nap. And why does this work? Well, a 20-minute nap ends just as the caffeine kicks in and clears the brain of a molecule called adenosine, maximizing alertness. Adenosine is a byproduct of wakefulness and activity, said Alan Tofi. He's an MD, medical director of New York Neurology and Sleep Medicine. He also said that as adenosine levels increase, we become more fatigued. Napping clears out the adenosine, and then when combined with caffeine, it's an adenosine blocker. Further reduces its effects and amplifies the effects of the nap. Wild, right? Next is not to brush after eating. Especially if you have consumed anything with acid. It says don't brush your teeth immediately after meals and drinks, especially if they were acidic, like um, fruit drinks, sports drinks, tomatoes, soda pop. If this can soften tooth enamel, that brushing your teeth at this stage can speed up the acid's effect on your enamel and actually erode the layer underneath. So they say to wait 30 to 60 minutes before brushing your teeth. That's something I didn't know. Next one is to gain weight to wear a smaller size. But this one's kind of a no-brainer. That basically muscle weighs more than fat. So if you're doing any kind of weight training that you're actually going to gain weight. And that's okay. If you're putting on muscle, that's okay. And muscle does weigh more than fat. Next is to eat less, actually eat more. 
but the right things. So protein and complex carbs, no simple carbs. Those are the bad ones. So make sure that you're having more smaller meals throughout the day and you'll stay full for longer. Next is to skip energy drinks for more energy. These nasty drinks often contain high levels of taurine. This is a central nervous system stimulant and upwards of 50 grams of sugar per can. That's 13 teaspoons. This will spike your blood sugar temporarily only to crash soon after, leaving you sluggish and foggy headed. Next is if you're feeling bloated, guess what? Drink water. Drinking water sounds as if it will only make it worse, but it will help, says Dr. James Lee. He's a gastroenterologist with St. Joseph Hospital in Orange, California. If you're on a high fiber diet, then your body needs more water to work more efficiently. Water mixes with water soluble fiber and makes it into a gel. This will affect the motility of the gut, reducing symptoms of bloating. So drinking more water also relieves bloating caused by dehydration. So I didn't know that when you were dehydrated, your actually body clings to water, causing you to puff up. Wild, right? Feeling bloated? Drink more water. Next, drink a hot beverage to cool off. Two recent studies say that and so do other cultures, that drinking hot tea in hot weather is actually good. When you sip a hot beverage, your body senses the change in temperature and increases your sweat production. Sweat evaporates from your skin, cooling you off. Next would be to exercise when you're tired. This is something I tell people all the time. Oh, you're tired, you're feeling crappy, feeling sluggish, go out for a walk. Fatigue along with mood and depression improves after a single 30-minute moderate intensity exercise sesh. According to a study published in Medicine and Science in Sports and Exercise, everything we do uses oxygen. So when you exercise, it keeps helps you work more efficiently and you don't tire as easily. You also function better mentally. Another thing would be to handwrite notes. Handwriting notes will boost brain power. Typing enables you to jot down more, but you're more likely to remember notes if you handwrite them. This is research done by Indiana University. It says that to learn something, you have to process it. And when you take handwritten notes, you process or learn more information. Another little hack is to improve your relationships by spending less time together. I think this one speaks for itself. Everybody needs solo time. The, the more time you spend together, the less quality of time it usually is. And it actually improves your relationship to have time away from each other. Distance makes the heart grow fonder, right? And then last is to ditch antibacterial soap. There's no evidence that antibacterial soaps are more effective than regular soaps. What's more is long-term exposure to some ingredients in these products, such as triclosan, may pose health risks like bacterial resistance or hormonal effects. So get rid of that antibacterial soap. And you know what? Those hand hand sanitizers aren't good for you either. So that's what I got. Be healthy, live healthy, feel healthy. Our Stoic of the Week is John Locke. He said, All men by nature are equal in that equal right that every man hath to his natural freedom, without being subjected to the will or the authority of any other man. Being all equal and independent, No one ought to harm another in his life, health, liberty, or possessions. What worries you masters you. 
Whenever legislators endeavor to take away and destroy the property of the people or to reduce them to slavery under arbitrary power, they put themselves into a state of war with the people, who are thereupon absolved from any further obedience. And last, liberty is to be free from restraint and violence from others. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks for joining me.